0: Hey there, misfits. This is Kate. And I'm Kale. Welcome to Horrorwood. better yeah that was we good. had to do a couple of takes that intro that one yeah. was better okay uh it's a holiday week and we're keeping this one kind of light because it is a holiday week and we're also recording in advance because of that and because kale's going out of the country so we have to get some we have to get some episodes in before you leave that is true
1: i'm going to
0: ice ice baby Dun, 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 I don't want to get sued.
1: Uh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, I'm going to the land of ice, which is also known as Iceland,
0: and you're going to have an amazing time. So, absolutely.
1: If I, if I can figure out how. To what what all my flights are because I was still in gate before. All of my emails from Icelandic Air are all in Icelandic, Uh, so I don't really know how to read anything. Except that the good thing I know is that time is pretty much universal. So I'm just going to show up and hope for the best.
0: (laughs) It's all going to work out. I'm going to have the best time. Can't wait. So we're keeping this one pretty light. Um, I think I already said that you did. And uh, before we get into it, though. I just want to mention because it is like a new thing and we're probably going to mention it in like every episode our Patreon Abraham. is finally live. Um you can check it out patreoncom podcast. and if you like us and you want to just throw us a little extra support, we would be so appreciative. It took us forever to get that launched and I'm so excited that we finally did and I hope someone joins. And it's easy
1: and you get a, l- a few bonus things and so you know join our playground we want to see you there and we will definitely swing with you oh that oh to to edit (laughs) jesus i was thinking playground and slides oh my god this this is the teacher life in me i'm like slides swings and then i forget there's a different meaning and connotation with that so
0: edit (laughs) okay edit edit (laughs) um i read you are. <laughs> uh, I also have uh, my little pup pup, Frankie, with me. She's lying next to me on the ground because uh, Matt's not here. And I need to keep an eye on her. And but so, hoping so she So darling. Just, she is the cutest dog, I have to say. Uh, but I just need to keep an eye on her. So hopefully she just sleeps through this. But hopefully you don't. Because this is going to be a fun one. I decided to start a new series on haunted things
1: Speaking of which, can I just plug in that our own theater that Kate and I went to college at is Haunted. Haunted.
0: You know what? I started to talk about that and maybe we'll do that in a future one. That could be fun. Yeah, that would be fun because honestly, all theaters are haunted. Of course they are. If you weren't aware of that, there you go. You're welcome. And I did want to start with a Chicago one. Okay. We are talking today about the Auditorium Theater.
1: Does that still exist today or is it under a different name?
0: It still exists today. Oh. It was the brainchild of businessman and philanthropist Ferdinand Peck. The
1: name Ferdinand is a good one. I like
0: the name Ferdinand Peck. It just, I don't know, it's got something. It's got sharp tongue. It does. There are a couple of really good names in this one. I'm excited to get to the the ending one too. It was the late 1800s and Chicago was trying to clean up its reputation. You have your hand raised, Kale. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh my gosh.
1: Sometimes that's a reaction that I like. I, like when I want to say something, I'm like,
0: oh, raise your hand.
1: <laughs> that's what you're supposed to do. Okay. Woo! Um, it is a school day, so I'm kind of still in school mode because I know it's late for Kate, but it's not really for me. Like, but anyway, question: You said the late 1800s, so I'm just curious, and you and this might come up, but the Chicago Fire, I think, was like 1871 or 1870s or something like that. Was this before, after, after? after, Okay, yeah. So, so it was unscathed; like there was nothing that happened with this theater. Correct. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't
0: in that fire. The fire was part of why...
1: (gasps) They're hauntings?
0: Maybe. Maybe. But it was part of why Ferdinand Peck... I'm just going to keep saying his name. I I like how you're (laughs) saying it. It's great. It was part of why he wanted to build it because he was trying to turn Chicago's reputation around. It was known as the city that burned. And it was also Um. known as the slaughterhouse city. Because of its union stockyards and meatpacking district?
1: Wow. Well, I mean that makes sense. It's the Midwest, but wow. I was thinking it was known for its mafia and mobsters. I mean, there's but-
0: that too. Um, but Chicago turned their stockyards into a tourist attraction. I do not recommend looking up the photos because you just see All these animals. Uh, Yeah, I don't think that's a good idea for me. Chicago processed more meat than anywhere else in the world. So there was that. Uh, The city was also experiencing labor issues. Social unrest among working class Americans was on the rise. I mean, they just wanted fair wages and better working conditions. Right. I feel like not much has changed. Mm-hmm. So in May of 1886, Chicagoans were holding a peaceful rally at Haymarket Square in support of workers striking for an 8-hour workday when someone threw a bomb at police. The bomb went off followed by gunshots and several police and civilians were killed. Wow. This was known as the Haymarket Massacre and is considered one of the most influential events related to workers' rights in the world and is the origin of International Workers' Day. Wow, that's incredible. I I don't think I knew that. I don't think I did either. Before that? Okay. Because I'm like thinking, what do I have learned this? I started reading more about the Haymarket Massacre. And one of the things that a historian said was that Um, it's often you know kind of overlooked like it doesn't get the recognition it should for Uh. its influence and that when people do report on it it's often uh, done poorly like they don't get the details correct so just really interesting yeah wow so you've got this horrific fire that destroyed the city workers are being treated poorly they just want basic rights and the whole city smells like raw meat and animal carcass So Chicago needed to glow up. What a a gem. So this guy, Ferdinand Peck, gets this idea. He's like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if there was a theater that could bring in world-renowned performers, but it wouldn't just be for the city's elite. It would be accessible to the general public. everyone. But then he thought, wait, theater doesn't make any money. I know I'll create a new concept in design, a structure with multiple uses. Ah, so in addition to a performance space, Ferdinand planned to have a luxury, a luxury, a luxury hotel. It's past my peak hours. <laughs> Ferdinand planned to have a luxury hotel as well as office space. And he said the money that the hotel and office space brings in can help fund the theater. I'm a genius. So he gets the architecture firm Adler & Sullivan on board. Dinker Adler had the engineering brain and was considered the business genius. Was that any kind of relation to like the Stella Adler? Don't believe so. No. Okay,
1: I, I mean Adler isn't right, Adler. right? Like, and then my other question that I have for you is: so was this the first of its kind in Chicago or the first of its kind, like nationwide, of having like multiple uses?
0: Pretty much everywhere because it was a brand new concept.
1: Wow. Okay, innovation.
0: Yes. So you've got Adler, who's the who's kind of the brain, and mm-hmm. Louis Sullivan was. Great at design, and he was known for his artistry, and he's the one who coined the phrase "form follows function," which I just thought was cool. I didn't know that. Wow! So they, along with their apprentice, a uh, Mr. Frank Lloyd Wright, <gasps> get busy on the building plans. What? Yes, the location for the structure was on the corner of I.W. Wells Drive and Michigan Avenue. I mean, I say it was; it still is. It's still there. It Says yeah. Now, here is my. Unsolicited advice to anyone planning to build something. You want to make sure you don't do it on a location that was once a battleground or a Native American burial ground. Just check for those two things and make sure you're in the clear. You're welcome for the tip.
1: Aha, uh-huh. I see where we're going here.
0: The location for the auditorium theater would not pass this test. Back in 1812, the Battle of Fort Dearborn occurred right near this very spot. Is this the only spot that
1: was like kind of open or did he did all these developers just think this is a great spot for it because we can get clientele of or like people of all likes to come in? Well, like what what was the drive behind this area? The
0: city was rebuilding. So this is after the fire. Oh, right. OK. And yeah, the, the city is trying to renew itself okay so back in 1812 the battle of fort dearborn i said this already but i'm gonna say it again (laughs) back in 18 i'm having trouble back in 1812 the battle of fort dearborn occurred right near this very spot it was a 15 minute battle in which the pause for pronunciation okay had to look up the pronunciation of this because i knew i was going to say it wrong Uh, It was a 15-minute battle in which Potawatomi warriors attacked and successfully captured the fort, but lost 15 warriors in the process, Mm. and the U.S. military lost 38 soldiers and 14 civilians.
1: 15 minutes, that's a very swift battle. They knew what they they were like...
0: Well, they also far outnumbered the U.S. soldiers. There were over 400 Potawatomi warriors. There were... It was either 67 or 68 U.S. soldiers. So they didn't really stand much of a chance. So that was 1812. Fast forward to 1871, we have the Great Chicago Fire. Before the fire, Lake Michigan used to come all the way up to Michigan Avenue. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. Uh, so that's kind of interesting. The fire destroyed 17,000 structures and left 100,000 people homeless. Whoa. Yeah.
1: 17,000 structure, that's a lot of damage.
0: Hundreds were killed. Only 120 bodies were recovered, but it's estimated that 300 Chicagoans died. So you've got all this debris and rubble, which has to go somewhere. So the city was like, what do we do with all this mess? And someone was like, I don't know, I guess just shove it in Lake Michigan. Oh, wow. So that's what they did. The lake became a dumping ground for all mm. these burned buildings. And I'm sure some bodies probably ended up in there, too. They had to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. And the area was then covered with a bunch of soil. And boom, you have Grant Park. That's where Grant Park's location is? mm mm-hmm. it's, it's literally built... On a landfill, essentially.
1: I mean, that makes sense because Michigan Avenue is like behind it. And so if the water used to go,
0: oh, whoa,
1: I am learning a lot that I didn't know about Chi-town.
0: Oh, good. You know what? I learned a lot too and I live here. But I'm not from here. Right. But
1: you've lived there a long yeah. Like you're a resident. I should
0: should know things. (laughs) Uh, And this is all near the area where the auditorium theater would be built. So what could go wrong?
1: Uh, Well... I feel like it's coming.
0: (laughs) Your feelings are strong. The opening night performance took place December 9th, 1889, and it was the event to go to. The president of the United States, uh, it was Benjamin Harrison at the time, along with Vice President Levi Morton, were in attendance, as well as the governor of Illinois, Chicago's mayor, and tons of other famous and wealthy guests.
1: How was it? You might not know this, but how was it advertised? Was
0: it just like the big thing and like word of mouth? I'm sure papers, flyers, messengers. I mean, word got out. Opera star Adelina Patti, who was a huge deal at the time and considered by many to be the finest singer that ever lived, she performed during the opening night gala. And thanks to Adler's engineering skills, the Auditorium Theater is known worldwide to have perfect acoustics. So this opera singer just That's big. brought down the house. Her singing was gorgeous. The event was a massive success. The theater's opening was an international sensation. And strategically took place just a few months before Congress would decide which city would host the 1893 World's Fair. Amazing. President Harrison was so impressed with the venue and how Chicago was able to rebuild itself after the fire that he said, Chicago is awesome. I'm going to tell Congress this place is poppin' and what a great location for the World's Fair. And Congress was all, yeah, we agree. So the auditorium played a huge role in Chicago getting the World's Fair. Of course, during the fair, you get the rise of serial killer H.H. Holmes, the devil in the White City. So, not sure it's a great association, but know. you know, some wins, some losses. During its early years, in addition to hosting several political figures, as well as the Chicago Symphony Orchestra, the auditorium hosted a string of renowned performers, such as the Ziegfeld Follies, Anna Pavlova, she was a ballerina, and Sarah Bernhardt. So I just want to talk about Sarah Bernhardt for a bit. I feel like I know
1: that name. Why would I know that? Yeah, she was a French actress. Okay. It makes sense that I would know that name for some reason.
0: Yeah. Okay. She was something. <laughs> she was a French stage actress in the late 1800s, early 1900s. And she also did theatrical tours all around the world and was one of the first prominent actresses to act in film, huh. which I didn't realize. Many have called her the most famous actress the world has ever known. Critics' reviews were mixed on her, but the public adored her. She was also very eccentric.
1: When the, the word eccentric is used because it has so many different it can have so many different uh, avenues to it. Like, I get excited. I'm like, okay, I want to know what kind of eccentric she is. Because eccentric can mean different things. Like, the way someone dresses, the way they think, the way they present themselves. I'm ready for
0: this. Let's say that Sarah Bernhardt encompassed all of those.
1: Oh, this is going to be good.
0: When she traveled, she always brought a bunch of wild animals with her. And I'm not talking like a stray dog. I'm talking a cheetah, a wolf. A boa constrictor what where do you how do you get a cheetah in Chicago? You be Sarah Bernhardt and you bring it with you <laughs> oh my God. okay uh, she also had an alligator named Alligaga
1: that is the best name,
0: <laughs> but she gave him a bunch of milk and champagne, and he died <gasps> oh. Why do you feed your, well, why do you have a pet alligator and then why do you feed it milk and champagne?
1: I mean, sometimes an alligator just wants to have some champs. I don't know. I haven't really talked to one lately.
0: She would also, I haven't talked to, I haven't talked to any alligators lately. Sometimes I say like, see you later, gator. That's not the same. Okay. She would also wear a dead bat that had been stuffed as an accessory. That takes
1: eccentricism to a next level. Is that a word? I think so. I Th- don't know. That is, that's, there's a word for it, I'm sure. Like, that <laughs> shit crazy, maybe. Well, I don't know.
0: Can, I mean, maybe that's where that phrase came from. Can you imagine getting ready in the morning and just being like, okay, uh, let's see, I got my keys, got my wallet, I'm a dead bat. Like, what? <laughs> Gotta put my dead bat on. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> Wow, uh, she also had a huge Saint Bernard dog that she would travel with, as well as two now that maids. I can get behind, as well as two what maids. So that was her entourage: a okay. cheetah, a wolf, a boa constrictor, a Saint Bernard dog, two maids, an alligator that died, and then the dead bat. I th- I think that
1: actually should be the the Webster's definition or any definition from any
0: dictionary source of eccentric. But what she was most famous for traveling with was not the wild animals. it was a custom made coffin that she would sleep in. oh, she was a vampire now this is making sense, actually. It wasn't that she slept in it during the day, so that would that would take away her vampire status. She slept in it at night.
1: she just like confined places to sleep, oh
0: well. Yeah, she said she just liked to sleep in it, and she said it also helped her get into the tragic characters that she played. That's one way
1: to character study.
0: She would also put flowers and letters from her lovers in there with her. And she had a lot of lovers.
1: Okay. I think she did other things in there. Now... I've never slept in a coffin, but I can only think how... (laughs) You haven't? (laughs) I tried. I can only think that in the late 1800s, they weren't very cozy or comfy.
0: I mean, they make some really like... Coffins are expensive. Well, she made hers cozy. It was lined with white satin and it was very cozy. And it was custom made for her, like to her exact dimensions. Okay. Okay.
1: <laughs> yeah. The
0: The bat, the bat,
1: I think, I think it's just, yeah, I can't, I don't, I have nothing to say. I, I, that's rare. That is rare. Like I'm trying to picture it all and I'm trying to give a word to her and I just can't come up with anything other than eccentric, eccentric.
0: So like, makes sense. So she performed at the Auditorium Theater from the late 1890s to the early 1900s, and she always stayed in room 720, Uh, because remember, the building used to be a hotel as well. And she always slept in that coffin. And there is a picture, (gasps) and I will post it.
1: Oh, yes.
0: (laughs) Uh, Unfortunately, Ferdinand Peck's plan of having the hotel and office space pay for the theater didn't quite pan out. Because more modern hotels were being built that had private bathrooms and the auditorium's bathrooms were very outdated.
1: And people just didn't like staying there. I was going to say, well, would they have to share those too? Share
0: them and um, yeah, no one wants that. No. And the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and the Grand Opera, both that had been renting the space, they each moved to different locations in the early 1900s. So the auditorium wasn't seeing any of that revenue. And plans were made to demolish the building in the 1930s. However, it was going to cost more to demolish it than what the land was worth. Is that like,
1: is that like um common that something would cost more to demolish than to keep up? Because
0: I feel like it would be the opposite. I don't That's know. I don't know about land. I
1: don't know. Okay. <laughs> All right. That's fair.
0: The Auditorium Theater went bankrupt and closed in 1941. The following year, the city took it over and used it as a center for men serving in World War II. So between 1941 and 1945, close to two and a half million servicemen stayed there. And they even had taken out the first couple of rows of seating and turned it into a bowling alley. Like, there are pictures of this online. It's wild. For, like, recovering um, soldiers? Or for, yeah, for, like, entertainment. As, like, entertainment? I mean, yeah. Okay. And huh. they used to have, I don't know if it was during this era, um, but they used to house indoor baseball games in that theater. Like, it, anything could be done with this theater. It was wow. wild. It was huge then. It, it is big. Uh, in 1946 or 7, I've seen it as both, Roosevelt University bought the building for a dollar. But they didn't have the money to renovate it.
1: I mean, if you're buying a building for a dollar.
0: Uh so it just sat vacant for years. Students at the university pushed bleh. Oh, I just I just looked at my mic a little bit. That was gross. <laughs> gross. I'm like you. I'm looking at the mic. <laughs> oh, that's a throwback that no one understands. Right. Um <laughs> Students at the university petitioned to turn it into a parking lot because there weren't enough parking spots for them, but the school's first president, Edward Sparling, said, nah. It wasn't until 1963 when a woman by the name of Beatrice Spachner created the Auditorium Theater Council, and this bitch went out and raised almost $3 million to renovate the (sighs) building. In the early 1900s? Well, this was in the 1960s. Oh, 60s.
1: Okay. Still $3 million. I mean, it's a lot now. That's a lot of dollars. And by the way, the name game, you're right, is so strong.
0: It is. Just wait. I mean, Ferdinand Peck is maybe the good one, the best one, but there comes another. The Auditorium Theater reopened its doors on Halloween night, 1967. I love a good Halloween opening. It's destined for grand things. I mean, according to
1: you, Halloween ends, but I knew that it was going to stay alive.
0: It doesn't, though. (laughs) Did you not see the movie? No, you didn't.
1: I didn't. No, you're
0: right. (laughs) Since then, in addition to theater, it has seen performances by Diana Ross and the Supremes, Aretha Franklin, David Bowie, Elton John, Bruce Springsteen, the list goes on.
1: So like a multi like purpose like concert also um hall
0: because the acoustics are so fucking great i love that it's they do a lot of concerts they have dance companies come in they've had alvin ailey they've had the american ballet and in 2015 and 2016 it was even home to the nfl draft Uh Oh, which i remember when that was happening but like i don't care about the nfl i don't know football at all and i just don't care but I remember when that was going on, it was like such a huge deal here. People were freaking out.
1: Well, and also, anytime you have something big like that, you're going to, the city is going to benefit from the revenue of exactly. people coming in. So,
0: Yep. In addition to the theater, the building itself is the Roosevelt's main campus. The hotel rooms are now classrooms. Oh. So that's just some backstory. I wanted to give you a history of the building And now let's talk about the hauntings. Mm -hmm. The auditorium building faces the Congress Hotel, which is considered one of the most haunted places in Chicago, if not the most haunted.
1: Yeah, yeah, that I knew.
0: The Congress used to be called the Auditorium Annex as an adjunct to the Auditorium Theater. And Adler and Sullivan served as consultants to the architect for that building. Uh, okay cool this is even cooler and i did not know this and it's kind of wild those two buildings the congress and auditorium used to be connected by an underground marble tunnel amazing known as peacock alley oh marble the tunnel is gorgeous i'll see if i can post a pic i think it's in black and white i did see one photo that shows the tunnel and you just it's like all marble there's all like there it's lined with chairs and like these beautiful flower things does it still
1: exist like can you go through the tunnel still you cannot
0: because in 1911 the tunnel was bricked off that's
1: unfortunate
0: and i couldn't find how this tunnel was used exactly or what its original purpose was. I mean, it connected the buildings, obviously, but I'm not sure why they felt they needed to be connected in the underground tunnel. Weird. So the they blocked it off in 1911 and the Auditorium Annex changed its name to the Congress Hotel. Several suicides and murders have been reported at the Congress and it's said that H.H. H. Holmes used to hang around there looking for victims.
1: Yeah, I... That's like the only thing I think I know about Congress and that it was haunted.
0: Right. Have you ever stayed there? At the Congress? Yeah. No. I mean,
1: not that there would be a reason for you, but you know.
0: It's so creepy. Even like if you're driving down Lakeshore Drive or something and you see it because it's the lettering is all in red and it's like a creepy
1: red. It is red. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of like that, though.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't have a reason to stay. I do want to go there. Just because, like, it's creepy. It's like super creepy. Let's take a field trip when I'm there next. There are so many field trips we need to take. I,
1: I know, I know. <sighs> I just need to retire this year.
0: <laughs> Good luck. Uh, and people have reported feeling a dark presence on the street above where Peacock Alley existed, which just makes me wonder, like, what was going down in that tunnel.
1: Yeah. Oh, I'm. Yeah. I can only imagine.
0: Yeah. I read a post from Roosevelt University's blog uh, that was written in 2017. So the names I'm going to mention here, these people were there as of 2017. I'm not sure if they still are. Gotcha. Nick Ahrens, Roosevelt's building engineer, started working there in 2003. And part of his job involves going into the theater at night after everyone is left to inspect the fire safety mechanisms. Every night? I don't know that he has to do it every oh, single night. Oh. I mean, he has different shifts. Because right, right, Some right. shifts like if he's doing the night shift, he's alone. If he's got a day shift, he's got colleagues.
1: Okay. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. But I was I don't know why I was thinking he had to go every in my in my mind I'm picturing that.
0: I mean, yeah, I don't know how often you have to do it. I'm sure like at least weekly, I would think. Have you ever have your
1: this is a little sidetracked, but have, did you ever watch the movie Hugo or read read the book where they have mm-hmm. to like put the clock like fix the clock every night I was just like picturing this guy going in. oh no
0: I've never seen it
1: it's like it's actually a kid's more of a kid's book and film but I showed it to our students and read the book to them um it's good it's a good it's good you should okay
0: I'll look into that uh and when Nick first started working there another engineer said that he had seen some strange things he doesn't specify what But he refused to work there at night and actually asked to be reassigned to another shift.
1: Oh, that's, there's something there.
0: But Nick was just kind of like, meh, whatever. And it wasn't before long that he started experiencing some weird stuff himself. Some
1: paranormal activity. Maybe an alligator or a bat?
0: I don't. Did not read anyone experiencing anything with alligators or bats. That's not too bad. He said that on numerous occasions, he's heard muffled voices and laughter, but no one is there. And he'll also hear footsteps and doors just slamming shut when the building is empty. And he said one time at two in the morning, he walked out onto the stage and he was just like looking out towards the audience. And he sees this guy sitting in the back. And so he says, uh, what are you doing here? And the guy didn't answer. So Nick starts walking towards him to talk to him because it's the middle of the night. No one's supposed to be there. But he said as he got close to him, the guy was no longer there.
1: Ah, the presence. I have a question for you. Yes. Let's pretend. Let's pretend and envision that, like, that is your role. That's your job.
0: I'm pretending. I'm envisioning. Yes, go on.
1: What what is your reaction to the footsteps or the laughter or seeing a guy in the audience like how do you react to that what what's your um thought process
0: like me personally how yes I- you
1: personally I, I want to know like what your reaction would be
0: I feel like if I heard it once I would either think that there was someone there and I'd be freaked out like I, th- I would think like someone living was there and I'd be freaked out like oh shit did someone break in or something
1: like for your safety, you'd be like freaked yeah, out, maybe. Yeah, okay, yeah.
0: And then, like, if if there were voices coming from a room and no one was in that room, I might think that I just heard it. Like, like, oh, I must be hearing things, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. I think if it happened repeatedly, I'd be like, this place is fucking haunted.
1: Would you? Would your first inkling be like, I need to get out of here? I can't do my job.
0: Probably because number one, I wouldn't be wanting a graveyard shift anyway. Cause yeah, I, that's terrifying. It's just, it's, yeah. Especially if I'm working alone in a huge ass building. I mean, this building mm-hmm. is fucking huge. I would not. I well, first off, I wouldn't even apply for that job. But <laughs> I, I definitely would. I would definitely get out of there.
1: Well, here's the Nick. What a badass. But I, but I think same. I think the prickles is what I would feel.
0: Oh well, yeah. I'd have chilies. Chilies. Oh, that's. I always wonder what people call. Them. <laughs> uh, I think everyone calls them different things. So Nick, when he, later when he had a shift like during the day with some co-workers, he told them about that guy. And he was like, yeah, there was this guy. I don't know how he got in there, but he wasn't there when I got up to him. And they all said they, too, had seen people sitting in the audience who would vanish. Oh, shit. So at first, the weird things going on bother Nick. But eventually, he just got used to them. He said, quote, It's obvious there is something there. Thousands of people have passed through these halls over the years. Our ghosts aren't threatening or menacing. Just odd. They no longer bother me. I just think, there they are again.
1: What an incredible outlook.
0: I love it. <laughs>
1: like, it's just so accepting. I love that he's just like, oh yeah, there is another one. <laughs> it's But it's like so accepting.
0: And that probably makes the ghost feel more uh, welcome. And that's the thing, like, from all the accounts I read, none of the ghosts felt dangerous, just weird. I mean, there's obviously,
1: you've already told us about some eccentric beings that have graced their presence there, so makes sense.
0: What's the matter, baby? You okay? Right? She just like got very startled suddenly. She,
1: because we're talking about ghosts, Kate.
0: But she can't hear you.
1: How do you know? Oh, <laughs> <on>. <laughs> that was definitely a blonde moment. Wow-z- wow.
0: Wow. Oof. Getting Oof. back to this episode, <laughs> Roosevelt's campus safety officer, Clara Christmas, <gasps> which I am obsessed with her name. That name. Clara, you have an amazing name. I hope you're listening, but I'm sure you're not. Just know that I love. I've name. never known a person. Uh, I've never known a
1: person to have. Sorry, I totally interrupted you. And shocker.
0: <laughs> I
1: mean, that's kind of my job. It is, but um, I've never known a person to have the last name of Christmas.
0: Yeah, I love it, and I think. I mean, I think it's legit. Like this was on the Roosevelt blog.
1: Wow, Clara Christmas. It's
0: even better. It it sounds like it should be. Uh, Chris Kringle, Santa's and Mrs. Claus's daughter. It 100% sounds like a character in a Hallmark Christmas movie.
1: Oh, for sure, for sure, for sure.
0: Or like,
1: or like a Tim Allen movie being Santa Claus or something like that.
0: Sorry, Frankie just was being cute. She like did a really big stretch and it was so cute. Yes. Yeah, so, Clara Christmas, back to her. She said that around 2007, she was working a midnight shift. And around two in the morning again, she heard voices coming from the theater. Like there was a whole ass production going on. But when she went to check the theater, it was completely empty. And after that, she would not go back there at night.
1: I could, I mean, again, I can understand that. Especially, I think from the maybe female perspective. Yeah. To it's about safety. Mm -hmm. That's what I, you know, I go back to. But I really like Nick's accounts of being like,
0: you know, they're just weird. Yeah. Yeah, I like Nick. <laughs> Several people have reported seeing a man jump from the catwalk forty feet above the stage and then vanish right before he hits the ground. That would terrify me. Oh, that's yeah, I can't do that. That would that would freak me out. A former Roosevelt student said that they snuck into the top balcony at night with some friends. Okay. If you're a student sneaking into a balcony in a theater at night, you're either there to do drugs or have sex. Like, that's what uh, you're doing.
1: thousand percent.
0: Uh, so, anyway, that's side note. They didn't say what they were doing, but I think we all know. And they said that all of a sudden, this man appeared dressed in Victorian clothing. Because they're always dressed in Victorian clothing.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, 1800s makes sense.
0: And yeah. he started shaking his finger at them. Like, shame on you. So they ran out. Oh, because they were doing something naughty. Yep. So they ran out. But when they looked back, there was no one there.
1: Ooh, I would always have that, that little finger shake haunting at me.
0: Right. Can you imagine? And the theater does tours they have for a while. And you can still do them, actually. And according to... Another field trip. I know. I thought about that when I was writing this. And according to Dulcie Gilmore, she was a former executive director of the theater. She said one October night in 1987, she was conducting the tour. And the group was standing in the audience. And she's talking to them about the history of the building, the renovations, blah, blah, blah. And one, moment, one woman asked, well, what production is in rehearsal right now? And Dulcie was like, well, what makes you ask that? The stage is bare. And the woman said, well, there's that man wearing the Native American clothing. Is that for a show or like? And Dulcie was like, huh? And then several other guests on the tour corroborated what she was saying. And they were like, yeah, he just walked across the stage. That they saw. They described him as wearing a war bonnet headdress. And then on a separate occasion, Dulcie saw him. So as it turns out, that battle of Fort Dearborn, a young Indian chief and his princess were killed. So oh. I feel like maybe the chief was just trying to find his love and he's walking around looking for her. Ah, oh. The theater ended up hiring what Dulcie referred to as a cleanser whose job was to encourage the, spirit, the spirits to leave. And after that, no sightings of Native American ghosts have been reported. Oh, that's too bad. I, I don't know. Like, but maybe, like, maybe it helped them move on. Maybe it's not okay. A thing, you know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Oh, I like the perspective. Yeah, Danielle Smith, who was and maybe still is, again, this is from twenty seventeen. Uh, she was the assistant director for the Academic Success Center. So, aside from the theater. All the classes are held in the building. So during the day, it's packed with students and faculty. But then at night, it's pretty much it's empty. Yeah, Yeah. supposedly. So Danielle Smith got to work really early one morning before anyone else had showed up. And so she goes into the office. She's getting settled in. She puts her water bottle on the sink. And then all of a sudden, the temperature dropped. And it was freezing. And she said her water bottle flew off the
1: sink and hit the wall somebody like swiped it or something a
0: ghost swiped it and a student told her so told Danielle Smith that he was working in the library on the 10th floor really late one night did he
1: hear the water bottle no
0: um this was a different night uh, or a different day and all of a sudden he sees this maid cleaning the tables but said she was dressed in an quote old-timey outfit And didn't have any legs. Oh, uh,
1: you know what, though? I know who's maid that was.
0: Do you think it was Sarah Bernhardt's? Uh-huh. See, I thought that too, but I don't anymore because Sarah always stayed on the seventh floor and this was on the 10th floor. Oh, right. Seven. Oh,
1: right, 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 right. Well, damn. But maybe they're trying to escape the seventh floor. Maybe they're like, I'm sick of this seventh floor.
0: You know what I actually think it is? what I think that maid is. So I don't think it was a maid when the auditorium was a hotel. I mean, unless something happened to make her lose her legs. But I think it was someone who died in the fire and that was her job. She was a maid, but she she didn't have anywhere to go because, you know, her building was gone and yeah. she died. Maybe she lost her legs in that. That's what I think. But that's just... that's. I- You know what? I'll take that. So, 720, room 720, where Sarah Bernhardt stayed, is now used for seminars, and students haven't reported anything weird in that room. But on the ninth floor, which houses the Chicago College of the Performing Arts, several students and staff members have reported some crazy shit. So, one former student said his friend was practicing violin in one of the studios, and all of a sudden, a man in opera dress appeared and she said what are you doing here I'm ready to play and then he just vanished she ran out of the room and immediately passed out in the hallway
1: oh yeah i think maybe i mean i i wonder if i would ever if something was like nerve-wracking or that i got the prickles or whatever i wonder if i would ever pass out i feel like i might
0: i have a history of passing out, not from like being terrified, but I just have passed out a lot in my life. <laughs> and so I, I probably would pass out. Staff members have heard running footsteps in the middle of the night, just like people just like running to get somewhere or get out of somewhere. And in room 902, objects will just move. Like you'll put a book down on a table and then you yeah. turn back And it's in a chair across the room. Like that kind (gasps) of thing. Yeah. And in room 908, so 902 and 908 are the ones that see a lot, like the most activity. A lot of action. In 908, there's a banging noise. And engineers have been in to inspect those rooms to see if there's any logical reason why it's happening, but they can't find any.
1: Interesting.
0: And I couldn't find any like background or history about Room 902 or 908 of why stuff happens in there, so it's just a little weird. So year-wise, correct me if I'm
1: wrong. I'm followed up through 2017. Has there been any activity since
0: then? Well, possibly, but this article that was written in 2017 is on Roosevelt's blog, and it's the most updated that updated. Oh, so maybe
1: there has been, but we just don't know. Because I'm thinking like. Maybe our episode will just summons the spirits.
0: I mean, as long as they're good spirits, I'm cool with that. And Clara Christmas, our girl, that safety officer, said she's heard a lot of unexplainable noises on the ninth floor, and she'll also see something out of the corner of her eye, but then turn and there's nothing there. So I couldn't find any reports of any evil spirits. It sounds like they're pretty harmless. Yeah. And I couldn't find reports, like I said, of why certain figures appeared like like the guy jumping off the catwalk I couldn't find any report of a guy committing suicide or dying by suicide by jumping off the catwalk so I don't know where that I don't know where that comes from
1: and so unlike unlike some of the hotels that we've discussed we usually often have a name of the people who have passed or the Hollywood sign whereas this we don't have actual single name we don't
0: have Any names. Exactly. The account of the Native American, I think it's pretty clear why he's there. And Mm -hmm. I'm sure people that were killed in the Great Fire have something to do with the presence felt at that theater. I feel like they're just trying to figure out how to get out of there. I feel like maybe that's Mm -hmm. what the running is for. Yeah, trapped. Yeah. Yeah. And they're just trying, like running, trying to get out. Oh, wow. They do offer ghost tours. So (sighs) if you take one or if you have taken one, Please tell us if you felt anything or saw anything. and if you're not in Chicago and you just want a visual a visual of what we're talking about, you can actually take a virtual tour of this theater. There's a YouTube video that I'll link and you get to see inside the space. It is stunning. They've done so much work to repair it and renovate it. Is it like
1: is there preservation yeah. Does it look original
0: they've they've they're really working to restore. All of those design aspects and all those details. It's gorgeous. And if you have any experiences to share about a haunted theater, let us know. Because all theaters are haunted. So I'm sure you do. Can't wait to hear about more. Yeah. I hope you like this. I want to do a whole series of these. So hopefully you liked it. Um, And if you did, be sure to rate us and give us a review and subscribe. And you
1: can follow us on YouTube and social media, such as Instagram, Facebook, at Horrorwood Podcast. And also, you can always email us, especially your stories, whether they have ghosts involving in them or if you just want to, you know, say hi. Please yeah. please email us at Horrorwood Podcast at gmail.com. And the most exciting thing of all is that you can join our playground and become a Patreonian. Pa-
0: Patronian. Patronian. That's what we're going to call them. Yeah. Uh, and that is Horrorwood Podcast. That's what we've got. Stay spooky, misfits. And have a great holiday week. And if you're in
1: Chicago, you know where to go.